Wow. Thank you very much. That was very powerful. It's hard to follow something like that. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Well, Brother John, our pastor is sick this morning. So is Brother Scott. I know they both would like to be here with you guys. And it's given me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. Always appreciate the opportunity. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them back up to Hebrews chapter 11. This will be our main text for this morning. I know sickness has been going around all through our church. Hopefully he'll be well and back with us next week. All right, what if I was, or what if you were to suddenly hear that the earth was going to be affected by some massive dose of radiation? Maybe it was some kind of solar flare or some other anomaly from outer space. We don't know why. But you've received, you've received word from a government agency, seems to be credible, that uh, this is going to happen, and there's no reason to believe that it's a hoax. This seems like it's legit. The notification said that you were the only person in the state that was being notified. Okay? They, they didn't want to put the word out on a massive scale because they didn't want to create panic. All right, you're the only person in the state, and you've been selected personally selected because you have some value that's going to be needed after the catastrophe's passed. All right? So you're the only one that knows about it. And what the notice says is that you're supposed to start building this structure, this huge structure that's not only going to cover your house, but it's going to cover all your property. It's going to have big walls about 30 foot tall. It's going to have a roof to it. And you're to build this structure, and when it's built... You and your family and uh, perhaps some of your pets and maybe your neighbors, if they believe you, will be able to stay in this structure long enough for the radiation to pass. And if you stay there and you do what you're told, then you'll be saved. All right? So assuming that you believe it's true, you start building this structure, and, and maybe it takes a year to build. And during that year... Uh, the news wore off, your neighbors are starting to think you're really crazy. If they didn't think you were at the start, they really think you're crazy. Uh, you're the talk of the town. Maybe the new cr- news crews have been out. They're showing footage of the crazy man building the 30-foot compound on his property, talking about how the world's going to be ending in catastrophe. So how, how long do you keep it up? How long do you keep building before you give up? Maybe it's been a year now, and you're almost finished, and, and over the course of the year, you haven't heard one more word from the government. There's been no other indication. There's no confirmation at all that this is really happening. You're completely basing your actions on that one notice you had a year ago. How long do you keep it up? How long do you keep going? How long before you just give it up and say, well, nothing's happening. I must have just been wasting my time all, this, all these months. Well, what if you were told to build an ark? All right, right here in Valonia, the size of a, of a barge, right here in our town. 
and that the world was going to be destroyed by a flood. And that even though you're nowhere near water, and, and up to this point it hasn't rained in your area, or anywhere that you know of, that you have word that the earth is going to be destroyed by a flood, and you're to build this ark. Well, of course, this is what happened to Noah. And this is what we're talking about this morning. Bobby already read our, our verse out of Hebrews. So we'll turn back there and read it one more time. The great chapter of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. All right, so the story of Noah is, is familiar to us. It should be for Christians growing up. It seems like it's been getting a lot more attention lately, uh, whether it comes up in the debates between evolution and creationists and describing the uh, dynamics that the flood had uh, on shaping the earth. Of course, in the media, it seems like it's a popular topic to picket Christians about uh, the belief that there was a literal ark and a literal worldwide flood. And to think that that wasn't a myth seems to be uh, a current topic of discussion. We're also on the cusp of a Hollywood movie that's being released this month, all about the Noah story. I think it's March 28th that it comes out, and uh, there's a lot of talk leading up to that. And, and as with any Hollywood movie, I'll just simply say, approach this with caution. Anything out of Hollywood, you have to approach with caution, especially when we're dealing with a biblical account. It's very easy for them to paint it as myth. Time will tell what the movie is about, but I would just say for us all to know what the true biblical account of Noah is, more than anything. And this morning, I, I simply want to share a few things uh, that we can point out about the example of Noah, and we will compare it a little bit to the situation we find ourselves in today. I'm not going to go into the details of the story necessarily, although there are many, many fascinating details, and you read through them in Genesis chapter 6 through 9, of the account. Uh, but the basics of the story is that Noah is found to be a righteous man, and God gives him the word that he's soon to destroy the earth by flood. Sin has become rampant, uh, unbelief, wickedness, corruptness, violence has covered the face of the earth, and God is going to blot out this sin by flooding the earth with water. And he gives Noah the instruction to build this large ocean-going vessel in which he and his family, there'll be eight humans total and representatives from all the different kinds of animals will get on this boat and those that are inside the ark will survive. Those outside the ark will perish. And uh, those in the ark will be able to repopulate God's creation. Um, now, Noah is such a good children's story. I think most of our kids love it. 
You know, the idea of all the animals lining up in pairs, going onto the ark, and seeing a, a ship, or in some cases a little tiny boat, the way it's depicted, as being packed full of animals. This floating zoo is very appealing uh, for kids to talk about. But it's very much an adult story. It's very much an adult story. Uh, lots of elements in there that small children can't quite understand in the big picture of what God was doing there. Now, if you think about it, the entire human race, the entire human race, and all of the animals that weren't on the ark were completely destroyed. It conjures up some mental pictures that may be very uncomfortable, but that's the truth. The, all of creation was destroyed, save those that, are, that were found in the safety of the ark. Noah's story is a story of impending judgment. It's a story of faith and obedience. It's a story of salvation and God's faithfulness. God not only said these things were coming, but they happened exactly the way that they were told. And ultimately, God delivered Noah, his family, and those animals just the way God had promised. Noah was a very real person, just like you and I. Uh, he's not make-believe, he's not a myth. In fact, uh, so many of the world religions, so many people around the world all have a flood story in their background. And, and skeptics would say, well, this was just one of many, many myths. But we know that all those stories, the, the darkest corners of the world, still have some type of allusion to a worldwide flood. And it's because it's referring to this very real event. And there's lessons to be learned by Noah. In the midst of this corrupt and perverse generation that Noah was in, uh, God gave Noah a task, and he gave him a message. And Noah was found faithful. Now, we certainly live in a corrupt and perverse generation. There's no doubt about that. And as days, days go by and months go by, we're getting closer and closer to the Lord's return. It's getting worse and worse. And we, we know to expect this. And God has given us a task. And he's given us a message in this time. Just like he did Noah. And so the question is for us, are we to be found faithful? Are we to be obedient to the word and the warnings that God has given us? Are we to be more like the people on the ark? Noah and his family, or are we one of the ones who are completely oblivious to the coming judgment, going about our daily business and being completely caught off guard when the end comes? There's no doubt we're living in the last days, like I said. Whether it's next year or the next 20 years or 50 years, it took Noah 100 years to build the ark. He was living in obedience, expecting the end for 100 years. And so we should do no different. And the question is, are you prepared? The Lord is patient, and he's long-suffering, just as he was in the days of Noah. But that's one of God's attributes that is not unlimited. God's patience will end. And he's providing time for sinners to come to Jesus through repentance. And he's providing time for believers to do what they're called to do and be obedient. But one of these days, when Jesus comes, it'll be too late. We must be obedient. We must share 
our faith, share the message that God has given us today in our generation. So I simply have three points uh, for us to look at this morning that we can glean from Noah's story. This is sort of akin to Brother John's evening series where he's revisiting uh, Bible stories. And he was going to be talking on Noah's night, so I figured that would just piggyback on top of that, especially in the context of the movie coming out this month. Uh, But as we live in the last days, Christians should reflect on Noah's example. It is a good example to follow. We should reflect on Noah's example. First of all, he he gives us an example of faith, right? Uh, Noah is listed here in the Great Hall of Faith, along with so many other men and women from the Bible that displayed their faith. But if you think about all the ways that Noah displayed his faith, it's really amazing. Um, God told Noah that the flood was coming, and he had faith to believe that. He believed God in faith. He believed that God was telling him the truth. He, he believed him enough that he built the ark. He had faith. He had faith to put all of his family on it, animals. He had faith that once they were on the ark, they waited for days for God to start bringing the rain. It was patience and faith. His faith that God was going to deliver what he promised. I mean, this is, this is an example of faith that we can easily recognize. You know, God, what flood? What rain? Why build a, build a boat in the middle of dry land? It made no sense, but he had faith to believe God, what he told him. And again, uh, this was a very large vessel, okay? It's the kind of size that you would see on these ocean-going barges that go back between continents, very large. Uh, it would take up a lot of real estate here in Bologna if one of us started building one of these. It took a lot of faith for Noah to believe what God said. Uh, the verse here in Hebrews says, by faith, Noah, by faith, Noah did these things. It's through faith. And Noah believed solely based on the word of God. He believed God, and then there was silence. God told him what to do, and then he persevere through silence. There wasn't, as far as I can tell, a daily reminder of what God's word was. There wasn't daily uh, revelation encouraging him that the word of God was true. He had to go based off of what he heard in the past. And he had faith that the impending flood and destruction of mankind was coming and that that building of the ark was not meaningless. And uh, Noah built that ark in silence. It says that he was warned by God about the things not yet seen. These things were not seen. He stepped out on faith. And he did it from an unseen God and anticipated an unseen flood. That's faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. But as with all of our subpoints today, I want to see the interplay between faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. It wasn't as if God just, or Noah just believed and didn't act on it. It was a combination of faith and obedience. He believed God and he acted on it. If he believed God was telling the truth and never did anything about it, he never built the ark, he wouldn't be saved. And neither would his family and neither would creation. 
he actually did start building the ark piece by piece, the gopher wood and the pitch. He made it exactly to the dimensions that God prescribed. By the way, there is a full-scale model that's being built by the Creation Museum in Kentucky. I just read yesterday how they've received the proper amount of funding they need to to go ahead with the project, so that's underway. If you've never made your way up there, it's, it's definitely worth the trip. Noah obeyed God by building the ark, and he did all the necessary preparation for departure. He loaded the ship with the supplies and the animals and the food needed. And then he obeyed by actually getting on the ark. He didn't just build it and sit there and looked at the monument that he built, but he actually got on the ark with his family, and he stayed there, and he waited until the rains came. Noah obeyed the word of the Lord through faith. It was faith in action. And so we should also look at this story of Noah and point out some very important aspects of what the ark represents. It represents our salvation. So we should rejoice in God's salvation through the story of the ark. The ark is an antitype of Christ. It's a very accurate picture of our salvation in Christ. And it's, it's a wonderful truth. It's something to be rejoiced over and to cherish. Noah was literally saved by faith, right? He received the word of the Lord. God told him what to do. He told him that he needed to respond in faith and obedience, and Noah did, and that's what saved him. God's message to Noah was that he would perish if he didn't get on the ark. When the flood came, through the rain and and the great fountains of the deep opening up, Noah and his family were safe in the ark. It protected them. It delivered them through the flood. The ark saved him because he responded in faith to God. When the end comes, where will you be found? Hmm? Where will you be found? when the end comes. For Noah and his family, they were safe in the ark. God's word tells us that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that the only way to be delivered from the penalty of death and the impending destruction that we have apart from Christ is to be found in Christ, and we are found in Christ through faith. We trust what God said. We trust what God says will happen for our disbelief, And we are saved through faith by being found in Christ. He is our salvation. Noah and his family were safe in the ark, but for every other human on earth, outside the ark, it was too late. At that point, they they may have wanted in. You, 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 You see the picture. How could they not want to be saved? But the door had been closed. God's patience had ended with them. And only those found on the ark were saved. So you and I must be found in Christ or else we will perish. Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the same picture of being on the ark and we get there through faith. Also through obedience. You see, every time we talk about faith, we have this interplay between faith and obedience. 
James says in chapter 2 that faith without works is what? It's dead. And it's always important every time we bring up this discussion to remind ourselves that we are not saved by our works. We do not do enough good works to earn God's favor. But most certainly, we are saved unto good works. That's Ephesians 2.10. And the works in our life, our obedience, is a display of the inward change. It's the fruit of our faithfulness. And when there's no fruit, and you're, you're putting out a, a picture of a barren tree, that's what James says, that faith without works is dead. He goes on um, to say how you show me, uh, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. See, anytime you talk about saving faith, you have to differentiate it between just intellectual belief. The demons, Satan, they believe in God in the sense that they know that there's one God. They know that he's sovereign. They know he's all-powerful. They know that his word is true, and yet they don't have the saving faith that is demanded for our salvation. Faith and, and obedience are all, always interrelated. It's faith in action. Anytime we talk about biblical faith, it's faith in action. It's the kind of faith that allows a surgeon to open you up and, and perform a procedure on you. You have faith in action with that surgeon. It's the kind of faith that allows you to fully rest your weight on a chair with the expectation that it will catch you and support you. You can say you have faith all you want, but until you take that plunge into the chair, you're demonstrating that faith. It's the kind of faith that allows you to build an ark 500 miles away from the nearest body of water in a land where there's been no rain. That's true saving faith. If you've not responded in faith and obedience to God, if you haven't repented of your sin, which means that you turn from your sin and you turn to God and you place your faith and trust in Him to forgive you and to deliver you from the impending judgment, then today can be your day of salvation. You must be found in Christ. Only those in Christ will survive. Only those will be delivered. Just as in the days of Noah, God's patience was manifest in that time. He, he patiently waited for Noah to complete the ark. He waited until it was finished. And during, during that time, no one but his family believed. And his patience ended. And only those in the ark were saved. If you're not in the ark of Christ today, God is showing you mercy. He's being patient. He's long-suffering, waiting for you to come to repentance. Do not wait until his patience run out. The book of Hebrews says that it's appointed for a man once to die, and then the judgment. Now's the time. He must be found in the ark of Christ. We should also respond to God's word. 
Do you believe what God has said to you today in the, in the Word of God? Do you believe what God has said? Do you believe what he said is coming? Noah did. Do you believe that there is an impending judgment and that Christ is the only way? Do you really believe that? Today we have God's Word here in written form. In our Bibles, do you believe it? Do you believe what this book says? God has warned us of an impending judgment, and he's told us what to do about it. Do you believe? Do you truly believe that this life will soon be over, that in in the scope of eternity we're but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow, and that soon will be over? And do you believe that every one of us Everyone here, everyone in our families, everyone in our neighborhoods, our city, our nation, the world, everyone has an eternal destiny somewhere. And it's only one of two choices. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ, being found in him, like those on the ark? The ark, like the gospel, is both the good and the bad. It's a two-sided coin. The ark, as it sat there and Noah was building it, represented two things. It represented God's salvation through the ark. It was a physical, visible monument to how God was going to deliver Noah. It was also a physical, visible monument of God's impending judgment. Day after day, year after year, Noah built that. The ark was a constant reminder of the flood coming. Same way with the gospel. The gospel is the good news and the bad news, right? It's the bad news of our sin and how all of us fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous and that we are all headed on the wide path of destruction apart from Christ. That's the bad news. It's also the good news that through Christ and and his death on the cross, as our substitute, he died so that we might have life. It's the good news. Jesus is either our Savior and the Redeemer, our great Redeemer like was sung about earlier, or he's going to be the judge, the judge that will judge the nations and consign those apart from him to an eternal hell. Now, we don't like to talk about it. That's the gospel truth. Do you believe it? God's given us the word. He's given us the task, just like Noah. How are you going to respond? Well, you respond in obedience, faith and obedience over and over again. If you believe what God has said, if you do, are you willing to do what God has said? God told Noah what to do, and he did it. God has told us to do. He's told us to love each other, to love one another. He's also told us to prepare for his coming. 
And I can think of no other way to do both of those, to love each other, love those around us, love our neighbors, and to prepare for his coming than to share the gospel. Listen, we are living in the last days. There's no denying it. Scholars disagree about the timeline. But the point is that most agree that we are living in the last days. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 37 through 39, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. The question is, are you going to be the one of the ones caught off guard? And there's two ways, there's two ways to be caught off guard. Either you're caught off guard as those outside the ark that were going about their daily business, carrying on, marrying, giving in marriage, and they were completely caught off by surprise. But there's a very real uh, truth that for us believers, we can be going about many of the same things, completely oblivious to the times that we live in. And every generation from Jesus on has a responsibility to live like they're the last generation. And I see no more... uh, no other generation that has more signs of the times that we're in than the one we live in now. Uh, There's a movie uh, that just came out Friday. Just came out Friday. We're wanting to show it to you tonight, but uh, to mention that here in a minute, with the impending weather, we may have to cancel service. But it's by the folks of the Way of the Master, and it's called Noah and the Last Days. And we wanted to continue this discussion. Uh, perhaps we'll be able to show it to you next week. But it, it gives us a correlation between the days of Noah and the times we live in, very tangible current events, showing how this generation is just the same. And it gives us ten signs that we're living in the final days. It's being put out this month in anticipation of the Hollywood movie. And you'll be able to download it for free on March 28th. Uh, But in the meantime, we have a copy of it that uh, hopefully we'll be able to show you next week. But it's very interesting. And it's very appropriate for the time we live in. So we'll give you more information about that very soon. But again... Are you going to be caught off guard? You may, not be able, you may not be asked to build an ark. You may not be asked to build anything. Or perhaps simply a, to build a bridge to someone you know. A bridge of a relationship to be able to share that gospel. The word of the Lord was given to all of us. All of us had the responsibility to share the gospel of Christ. Will you respond to this command? Noah obeyed God, and even though there was no rain or no other indications to encourage him for all those years, he's kept persevering. He never gave up. He finished strong. He remained faithful. And through his perseverance, he was saved. He could have worked on the ark for a few years and then gave up, or he could have retired, or he could have said, 
look at all the progress I made. Maybe somebody else can come and, and finish the task. And he kept going. He kept obeying. He kept the faith. Well, I've said it before, and it's worth repeating. God has told you and I that the world is perishing. It's perishing. There is none righteous, not one person. The gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. What are you going to do about it? Are you willing to get outside your comfort zone? Take a little walk of faith? Are you willing to reprioritize your life a little and free yourself from some of the distractions that keep you from focusing on eternal matters? The people in Noah's day were going about their normal activities, completely oblivious to what's happening. Let us not be caught off guard. It's especially dangerous for those of you who don't have a relationship with Christ. You're not found in Christ. But for us believers in here, let's not be caught off guard. Let us be faithful and be found obedient like Noah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example that you have given us with Noah and all the others that are mentioned in the Bible. They're not perfect people, and your word never paints them as perfect. Lord, we understand that it's by faith and your grace that any of us can be saved. And we thank you for the fact that you saved Noah and his family. Thank you that through their descendants, ultimately Jesus Christ was born and all of creation has the opportunity to be saved. Lord, we we want to be diligent. We want to be good stewards of the time you've given us, knowing that it's not unlimited time. Some of us may face you very soon through the door of death. Others, maybe many years before their death, and others still may be caught up in the air and meet you face to face when you come back for your church. We want to be ready. We want to be faithful. We want to recognize the times that we're in and understand that you are the only way. You have a very exclusive claim, and that you are the truth. You are the way, the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through you. And we want to share this message of hope and also message of warning to those around us before it's too late. Help us to leave this place on mission and see those around us as souls that have an eternal future that need to be found in you and to just be encouraged by those here As we support each other and we encourage each other to the task, Lord, help us to be bold, knowing that as the world gets darker, that we may face more persecution. The things we do may seem very odd, just like Noah to his contemporaries. But as we support each other as the church, we'll be emboldened to the task, no matter what comes our way. And we'll be strengthened through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for his presence, and we thank you for Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.